0: well indeed which piece of pie have you had recently right i don't know about you but um, relationships are challenging sometimes right especially if you're married and sometimes when you're married something happens and you don't know what went wrong or maybe what you did are you one of those people that like you're the guilt queen or the guilt king and you apologize all the time because you don't know what went wrong but you said I'm sorry I'm sorry that whatever I did or I'm sorry I'm sorry this wouldn't have happened if I wouldn't have married you I mean it just you know you just fumble over yourself because uh, there's uh anxiety that's come there's some type of trouble maybe you got put in the doghouse. maybe you really did mess up that kind of but there's this awkwardness that comes in your relationship because of something that's happened and sometimes those things that happen aren't just little things that sort of get scooted along during the day or the week or you forget the next morning when you got up they really bring a division kind of aspect into your relationship and so um We're going to spend a little bit of time today uh, doing something that's, uh, well, it's really valuable in relationships. And it has to do with having a piece of the blame pie. You know what I'm saying like that? And so there's, it doesn't matter what's gone on, if you think about it a little bit, all of us, all of us can own a little slice of the blame pie. When it comes to the difficulties and problems, and maybe it's not just a little slice of the blame pie. Maybe there's a lot more on the event that happened that is on your plate rather than the other person's plate. And so today we're going to be talking about a little bit of the the blame pie issue and where to run and to go with it. We have started this series, or third weekend, called Reassembly uh, Required. Reassembly required, and it's a beginner's guide to repairing broken relationships. Just a beginner's guide, and so we're just walking through some things. In fact, it's great to have the sweetheart dinner coming up, and I trust you come to that because Pastor Trey, he's lived his whole life dealing with these kinds of broken things, and uh, his health appeal. His, his recipe for a healthy fight, I'm looking forward to that, to try to figure that out. So that's maybe like a bit of 201 class. This is just a 101 class, but come to the Sweetheart Dinner, and you can do that by signing up and doing everything out there at that Welcome Center on your way out. But we are here today to continue to unpack this understanding of how to reassemble broken relationships. And We've said that there's a way of going about doing that we commonly try, and it, it's sort of the um, C4 relational management effort. And so we try different things in, in our toolkit to pull out when there's brokenness in our relationship, and, you know, it's that convince thing. If I can just give them more information, let's sit down, and we're going to talk through this, more information. You're going to come my way, the more you understand. Or maybe it's the convict kind of thing, like, I can't believe that you would do that after all I've done for you, right? You're sort of bringing a conviction thing, and then there's the the coerce thing, and then ultimately the control thing, and none of that works, right? Because when you're on the other receiving end of that, we said, what happens? You feel like a project. You don't feel valued as a human if the other person's doing that, and you feel rejection. You feel rejection. So this has not been a message series about those four C's other than those four C's don't go there. They they just don't really work. But we try them time and time again. We try them to figure out, well, how do we fix this brokenness? Now, it's interesting because um, when we have these broken relationships, there's certain attitudes that we start to develop. And and you hear yourself saying these. and, And whether you hear these things... Out loud from your mouth, or you say it inside your mind, we need to give attention because these sayings that I want to list for you um, are sayings that, that you need to give attention to because they're speaking to something related to this relational world. And the first thing that we sometimes say is, I just don't care. I don't care. I don't care, she did that, he did that, the person at work did that, it's come through. I just don't care anymore. And you know, you sort of cross your arms, that's how you feel. I just don't care. Someone else tries to bring it up in your relational world. Well, hey, how's it going? I don't care. I don't care. Fuck, oh, go. Well, if you say that or that's in your head, you need to give attention because there's something that's going on behind that, because the reality is. When you say, I don't care, I don't care is often what we say about things that we actually care deeply about. Okay. So it's an indicator, an indicator of maybe something that you need to give attention to. And really what you are sometimes saying with I don't care is you're saying, I am powerless to do anything about it but i wish i could i'm mindful in this room here today and sometimes i catch interactions and conversations with different people i had a good group of men for men's breakfast yesterday about 25 of us circled up and and we're interacting and i i I pick up things that make me realize that this is true in your life that it's not that you don't care you're just tired And you feel powerless to do anything about it. Well, if you don't continue to press into that, then you can carry that I don't care attitude with you into other relationships. And so you become sort of hardened or indifferent. Because if you don't deal with it, then it it just doesn't disappear into thin air. It sort of settles within you. And even in all your other relations, there's just something that starts to churn. And whether it's a, a spouse, whether it's a friend, whether it's a, an in-law, maybe it's a co-worker, maybe it has to do with a relationship with a child, with a son or a daughter or a son-in-law or a daughter-in-law, I don't care. Be mindful if that's sort of what circles around in your thoughts. The second is, I already tried. I already tried. I gave it a shot. I tried to, to, to uh, make some amends to it, but I, I'm done. Remember what we said though in the last couple of weeks that our goal, our goal is not reconciliation. Because reconciliation fully means, now that's our dream, that's our hope. But if you make it a goal, then you're making it a goal that another adult or another person changes. And you can't control if they're going to change or not. You can only control things on your side, right? And so the idea that you uh, are going to fix it, especially us guys, we're going to fix it. uh, You just got to pull back from that because that's not the goal. The goal is no regrets. The goal is no regrets. And so, you may say, well, I've tried. Well, what do you mean by that? Are you just giving up? Or is there an initiative that, that maybe God might prod you to move forward in? I don't care. I've tried. We said what we need to do last week. It's one of the first decisions that you need to have in the healing of broken relationships is you need to get back to, not get back at. It's this idea that I'm going to pursue. I'm not going to punish. And sometimes our punishment of other people isn't in a blatant hurting them way, even physical or emotional. It's just like you're just going to withdraw. I'm just going to let them simmer. I'm going to let them fall into their own mess. But in that, you are punishing them. Any of you, I remember when I was a kid once and, and I got mad at my parents. You ever get mad at your parents, kids, you're in the room? And I decided I wasn't going to talk to them anymore. That lasted for about half a day, I remember. But what was I trying to do saying, I'm just not going to talk to them? I was going to try to punish them, right? It's I'm getting back at, I'm not getting back to and pursuing them. And so we covered and, and looked at that whole decision point last week, and it's tied into that. I've already tried. But there's a third, and it's, it wasn't my fault. It wasn't my fault. So there, I don't need to give any attention to that broken relationship or what's going on, past, present, whatever it may be. It wasn't my fault because what they did is wrong. And, you know, you can rehearse it. You can rehearse it over and over again. And when you rehearse it over and over again, then you're going to find out that, yes, there is um, a lot to be said about the rightness of what you're saying. But we looked at last week that reassembly begins with us regardless of who initiated the fuss. And y'all showed back up again today for another dose of this. I'm amazed. Because we don't like to hear that, right? We talk about the blame pie today, you know, that's, that's front and center. Because this is a reality that I even struggle with um, in things that aren't heated kind of brokenness. It's like, yeah, you know, I tried. wasn't my fault. Let them just go their own way. But as Jesus followers, we're required to do more than just give up or to place the blame. Romans 5.8, and I used it in what we just had, was a time of communion. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. I was in a prayer time this week and trying to encourage a person, and we uh, were looking at issues of past and some of the trouble that they had and were having and some of it had to do with spiritual warfare and all that was involved. And I thought how beautiful it is for us as human beings that this verse is true. That God took the initiative to pursue, to get to us. And he demonstrated his love for us by dying on that cross, being raised from the grave, Ascending to the heavens, sending his spirit, promising to come in present form again at his second coming, the whole God deal thing, that story, and maybe it's new to you this morning, God's not sitting in judgment of your sin or my sin or the brokenness that happened going all the way back to the Garden of Eden. God took initiative and pursued. And he's the one who demonstrated his love towards us And that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. That's our God. That's the God who dwells within you if you're a Jesus follower this morning. That's the God. That's the engine that's inside of you that's trying to work its way out in all of your relationships. And so when we're in the defiant mode of saying, you know, hey, I try. I don't care. It's not my fault. You are going against that which is of the spirit that dwells within you. And if you align yourself more with what the spirit is within you, you will find that you have help, power, and strength to take on the initiative to heal broken relationships around you. But if you lock yourself away, solitary confinement isn't a prison idea. It's Satan's idea. And he likes to isolate you in loneliness. He doesn't want rich community. He doesn't want you to press into community. Just, just do your own Christian faith on your own. Isolate yourself over there. Church hurt. Church hurts real. Just, just forget that church stuff. The adversary wants to isolate us, move us in a direction. But God pursues us and the spirit that dwells within us says, move, move into community, move into relational wholeness. And his power and his strength will be with you as you step into that. Because God who demonstrated his love toward us and while we were yet sinners and and died for us through Jesus Christ, he is the one who can change the situations that you find yourself in on a day-by-day basis. So which excuse maybe do you carry with you today? Jesus, isn't it great that he came and he walked among us as one of us, that he took on human flesh? Here's God Himself becoming a human, and He's walking around among the human messes that exist on this earth. And He is observing human behavior, and He steps right into it when He sees it. And so, Jesus, He saw these excuses. In His day, He sees them now. Jesus speaks into these things, and He has a couple questions. He has a couple questions, and this passage in Matthew 7, it's just a few verses, and he says this as he steps into it. He says, why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? Now, maybe you've heard that statement before, and you never realized that it came from Jesus. But Jesus is the one who said this, and So, it's a question he puts to us now, like he did them. He says, Why do you look at the the speck, little sawdust speck? I got something in my eye. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in their eye when you don't give any attention to it? And I was always going to bring it up here this morning, but the plank, the big two by four that's sticking out of your eyeball. Well, yeah, but they got a little speck over there. Trust me, Jesus had humor. The levity of his heart engaging with people was evident. But when you hear a statement like this, one of the first things you say is, well, it's not a speck of sawdust. Remember what they did and how they harmed me and how they took my place or how they undermined me in doing this and how they backstabbed me here or what they did at Thanksgiving and then they carried it over at Christmas. I'm just done with it. It's not my fault. I, I tried and I, I... It's not a speck, Jesus. That's, that's a huge deal. And you can go over it again in your head. You can tell another person and you can tell Jesus even. And they'll say... Yeah, I, I know. I was there. I saw it. I know what happened to you. Well, it's not a speck, Jesus. Well, let's look the other direction. What, what about you? Well, there's not a board in my eye. Really? He was calling them to a self-examination. And he saw the brokenness that was happening around him. Jesus, God Himself, the one who demonstrated or who would demonstrate Himself as dying on the cross, that's the disposition of the kingdom of God. It's radical. Because that's not the disposition of the adversary and the brokenness of sinful mankind. It's to get back at one another, to to whether backstab or just undermine or do the passive-aggressive kind of thing. The idea is that we got to get even, we've got to get fair. You know, it's, it's fair, justice here. Come on. Jesus says, that's not my way. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and yet you pay no attention to the big old plank that's staring you straight in the face? It's not a speck of sawdust, you might say. But Jesus says, well, I don't know. What about you? Well, I don't have a plank in my eye. Really? You don't have a plank in your eye? He's calling them to do a serious evaluation and then he says, how can you say to your brother, permit me to take the speck out of your eye? <laughs> oh, we're so kind, aren't we? We're gentle. Here, allow me. Permit me. Permit me to just show you a few things. And and and, and this is what happened. This is what you did. And, and um, there, I, I showed you the speck. And you need to deal with it. So you're welcome. Thank you very much. (laughs) Oh, you put the name in the blank. There's many people that we would like to be able to have that nice kind of awakening moment to them and then walk away. Permit me. He knew what was happening in that day. They were human beings, just like we're human beings. And he saw it happening. But he says, when behold, there is a plank in your own eye. So let's turn it around. And let's start to do some self-evaluation. And then he says something that, I mean, I i think he probably, you know, still in his levative mood. And this pun that he was using with the speck of sawdust and the plank. He goes, he probably says this with a smile. You know, he says... Uh, well, looky there. Looky there, will you? There's a big old plank in your eye. You sort of forgot to see that. Sort of a colloquial kind of spirit. There's a, there's a plank in your own eye and, and everybody else can see it too. And then he continues, I think, maybe with that smile and he just straightforward, and he says, <laughs> you hypocrite. And it, it comes from a, a Greek word that has to do with theater, like an actor put up as like, you're, you're, this show, this, this thing that you're putting on, you, you hypocrite. Who do you think you are? Who do you think you're fooling in this? And you may say, yes, there's a difference. I know maybe, maybe it's not a speck, maybe it's not a plank, maybe they're a little bit closer together, but I still have the upper hand on this one. Let's just, just, just stop the game plan and look at yourself. You hypocrite? And what he's saying here is not merely you should mind your own business. because the desire is for reconciliation, ultimately. That's the hope. So it's not like just deal with it. they did you wrong, there's brokenness there. Yeah, maybe it's more than a speck, that, but, you know, you just focus on the plank in your own eye and forget it. No? No, he's, he's trying to put us into a, a state of action. No regrets, right? Pursuing, getting back to, not getting back at. And, and he, wants, he wants this relationship, brokenness, to move a certain direction that will find its way of healing. And so he says, you hypocrite, first take the plank out of your own eye. That's an initiative. That's an initiative to say, what's going on? What's happened to you? Take the plank out of your eye. But that was a first thing. And then, as you work with that, it says, you know, you, you, know, you just got to find whatever that slither is that's the blame in your life. You need to find that, take that plank out, and from there you're going to be able to um, discover what's coming next. We had a prayer last week that I encourage you to pray, fill in the blank. Lord, help me to see people and feel about blank as you feel about them. I don't know if you prayed that prayer, but here's another dangerous prayer on this Thing of first take the plank out of your own eye it's lord show me my slice of the pie slow and it may be something that's small but you're having the fingers point back towards you you know that whole adage if you point your finger you got three pointing back to you kind of deal you know hey heads up well what's my sliver my slice of the pie first take the plank out of your own eye all right and then then something's going to start happening. Then you will see clearly. Because this is what happens a lot of times in our broken relationships, and when we're on the, uh, you know, whether it's the convince, convict, coerce, you know, control kind of thing. We start to get myopic vision, and we're just focused on the other person's wrong. But when we first take the plank out of our eye, then that clears up our eyesight, right? The plank's not sticking straight in the eyeball anymore. And you start to see clearly. There's something that happens in you and I when we walk the road of a humble pie. And we say, Lord, show me. Show me my slice of the pie. How have I wronged this person? How have I misguided our relationship? And sometimes it takes us a while to get there. I know in some of the brokenness I've experienced with some relationships, I, I had too much pain sometimes not even to go there to try to figure out the plank in my own eye. But after a period of time, and God, you know, enables that. as like, you know, I really could have done better here and here and here. And I now see that my disposition, my personality tends to go this way and do these kinds of things. And so I get into the, you know, not a self-abasement, oh, I'm a terrible person, but just in, in good, healthy humility, discovering what my slice of the pie is, taking the plank out of my own eye, and then I start to see things a bit more clearly. And guess what? Your initiative and in starting to evaluate things from your side of things, and then as you begin to work with the other person, it begins to open them up as well. You will see clearly then uh, to remove the speck from your brother's eye. And it's not like some aggressive kind of effort. Hey, now that I got the plank out of my eye, let me smack that thing out of your eye. No, it's, it's, it's this idea if, if you were to maybe send a letter, an email, maybe have a phone call or a direct conversation across the table with someone, and you lead, you take the initiative to say, you know, this is where I fell short in this relationship. You know what that does to people? It opens them up to see more clearly. Because if all of us are honest, we really can do this evaluation thing if we have space and time, and we're not, you know, you know, barring the door kind of thing. And it's like, yeah, and there could be an opportunity for some healing, or at least some mutual respect that comes in light of the brokenness, even if that brokenness uh, means that there won't be a, you know, a relationship necessarily moving forward. At least there's healing from that brokenness from the past. And so when you take the plank out of your eye to see clearly, it actually helps other people to start to see clearly as well so what is the slice of the blame pie for you you may have this small little sliver and then you say well the rest of it's them well you don't take the pie and throw it in their face that's God's work You own your piece of the pie, and maybe it's probably a bit bigger than just a small sliver, and then you allow, by God's grace, for them to be able to see and understand how they have fallen short that's in it. Friends, self-righteousness gets in the way of every relationship. It's not that the Pharisees were dumb people or weren't devout, devoted people. What Jesus didn't like about the Pharisees was their self-righteousness. Because it's ugly. Self-righteousness, it gets in the way, but self-awareness paves the way. And so when you have that mutual coming together and there's some self-awareness about you, then it starts to pave a way for some incredible, beautiful things to maybe happen in that relationship. And again, it's not because of, you know, you're in total control of everything because you and I aren't. But maybe, just maybe, it can lead you to a place of healing in your own heart and maybe some reconciliation in that relationship. So, where do you stand on this? Your piece of the blame pie. The blame pie. You know, we talked there, but there were different decisions then that we need to make that are required to heal Initially, step into it to try to heal broken relationships. And that first one we mentioned, number one is I will get back to, not get back at. Your second one, your decision is this. I will own my slice of the blame pie. I will own my slice of the blame pie, and I will begin to um, live my life Around these other people, or maybe they're not necessarily in your life anymore, according to the perspective in my own heart. Last week, we looked at a passage of scripture in Romans. I want to return there just briefly on this, because we said on this whole thing of get back to and not get back at that the Apostle Paul said, Love must be sincere, hate what is evil, cling to what is good, be devoted to one another. Honor one another above yourselves. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. And then it says this live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud. Do not repay evil, anyone evil, for evil. And I position this next line to you. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. And what this is telling you is that you may take initiative. There still may be rumblings in that relationship. They may slam the door in your face. They may never respond to that email. But you're living a life of no regrets. As far as it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace. Seek to live in harmony one with another. And that's all you can do. That's all you can do You know what that's an awful lot that you can do how many times i've seen a broken marriage healed a broken friendship healed an awkwardness even in a work relationship environment or somebody that maybe used to be a journeyman with you in life and something you and it started to move its way to wholeness because you took the initiative you took the initiative to own your slice of the pie and you took the initiative, as far as it depends on you, to live at peace with others. They may never, ever recognize they're wrong. They may never come back to you and uh, seek your forgiveness or you know, re-articulate more of the picture of the story of what happened and the way that you sort of view it. But God will bring healing in your life. And then when you move to other relationships, you won't be carrying that baggage. You won't be carrying that hurt because you've laid it before the Lord. And you've taken the initiative as far as it was possible for you to live at peace one with another. And that's all that you're called to do in that. If we aren't willing to do that, to do what we're convinced they should do, what would Jesus say? Well, they should be the ones, right? They need to come to me. If we're not willing to do what we're convinced they should do, and we're supposed to be the more mature people right because we are we see this more clearly they're the ones that you know are the immature or they're really bad people skills or they're just locked into their own little world myopic themselves no jesus would say if we're not willing to do this then what we're a hypocrite and that's a pretty strong word that's a pretty strong word This is a good word for us. The more aware I am of God, of what God has yet to do in me, the less aware I am and the less consumed I am by what He has yet to do in the people around me. You're changing the focus and you're allowing yourself Be matured by the spirit of God that dwells within you, who took that first initiative, who demonstrated his love by leaving his throne in heaven to come and to die in our place. And the more that we become aware of what God has yet to do in us, then we sort of take the agendas and the plans and the details off of what other people need. And it's not somehow do whatever you want to do. It's like, no, the Lord's working on them too. Sometimes you hear me, if you're around here long, say that none of us have any ministry in this church. I'm the lead pastor, but I have no ministry. There is only one ministry, and that is the ministry of the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is working in the lives and the hearts of people. What I do, whether it's teaching on a Sunday or Carl leading worship or, you know, kids' ministries, knocking it down today, somebody, whether it's church or during the week and you serve others, You are participating in the ministry of the Holy Spirit. It's not your ministry. And so it helps me a lot when I back away and say, hey, I'm going to focus on what the Holy Spirit's ministry still is and me making me like Christ. And then I'm going to just permit him to continue to work in the hearts and lives of others. And when I pray for them, I don't pray, God, change them. I say, Lord, may they be sensitive to your Holy Spirit to be opened up to the pathways of righteousness. Where's the focus? Where's the decision points for you? I will get back to, I will not get back at. And I will own my slice of the blame pie. I want to close by talking to you about a particular point in this. Because though it's a decision point, I don't feel that it really needs to be articulated as you have to do this this is such a deep work spiritually that the ministry of the holy spirit needs to do in your heart and it has to do with the issue of true forgiveness to truly forgive other people for how they've hurt you because they have and they were wrong it was sin jesus said to his disciples when he sent them out once he said hey freely you've received freely give And when I turn the focus back on what the Holy Spirit's done in my life, when we share communion together and remember the great work of God's amazing grace in our life, it gets me to focus in such a way that enables me to approach the subject of forgiveness with some power and strength that I don't have without tuning in to what Jesus has done for me. Jesus so lavished his love upon me while I was still a sinner that I have no rights whatsoever to feel like I need to be God and pay back somebody. Jesus tells a parable in Matthew 18. If we had time, I'd like to read it. Maybe you go home and read it. But it's the parable. He tells these stories. And when he tells the stories, he just sort of takes people and puts them right in it without them knowing it. And it's the story of a servant who had this huge amount of gold debt to a king. And the king was ready to put him into prison, make his life miserable, and he begged for mercy. Please, please. And you know what the king did in the story, the parable? He forgave him of this huge debt this guy owed. That guy walks out pretty happy, right? <laughs> Good to have that mortgage off my head. And then he goes finds an old buddy of his that did him wrong that he loaned some money to that he never paid back. It's a small little sum of money. And he looks at him and goes, hey, you need to pay me back. And God says, I can't, I can't. The king sees and hears word of this. And he's indignant. Because here he just forgiven this huge amount of debt. And this guy turned around and caused the pain in someone else's life that owed him a little debt. And so the king dealt with that forgiven servant in an unmerciful way because he had been shown mercy before. Forgiveness is not about forgetting. You can't forget I slammed my wrist through a glass plate window when I was doing indoor track practice in elementary. I sliced an artery open. It was a nasty, bad scene when I was a sixth grader. They stitched me up. I have a scar. It's still very tender. And if I'm in water too long, it starts to get numb. I can remember that event. In fact, I still can go back to that elementary school because my family's around that area, and I walk in there and I go, "That's where that plate glass was." And I remember Horace throw me, the coach throw me in a in a car and rushing me to the hospital and wrapping him up and trying to get it all solved. I remember that very clearly. But when I look at the open cut, it's not there because it's now been healed back, but with a scar. Forgiveness is not about forgetting, but forgiveness is releasing someone from the debt you feel they owe you. They owe me. You release it. I don't know how you do decision point number one of getting back to rather than getting back at or decision point number two of being able to really fully own your slice of the pie until you wrestle with a rich understanding of what forgiveness is in the life of those who have harmed you and hurt you. Maybe they've even altered the trajectory of your life. I'm there. Forgiveness, right at the core. As God forgave us, freely you've received, freely give. Will you bow your heads with me? Lord, in this moment, I know not what your spirit is speaking to an individual in this room or online, but Lord, I pray that you would help them see. See clearly to take the plank out of their eye so that they can see clearly to maybe work at helping another individual understand how there's been hurt in their relationship with them. Lord, may you help us own our piece of the blame pie. May you help us wrestle with the issues behind this ownership, this humility, this self-awareness. May you wrestle with us in our spirit on the subject of forgiveness, of releasing some of them of the debt we think they owe us. Lord, it's incredibly hard to do, and sometimes it takes a long time for us to get there. Forgiveness is not a quick overnight kind of thing. Hey, I'm done. I've got it. Sometimes it's daily and we have to forgive daily and release that person from the debt we feel they owe us. But Lord, may we focus back on the tremendous, tremendous gift of your grace, your amazing grace that has forgiven us from the debt of all of our sins, our shortcomings, our wrongdoings. And Lord, may across this room and across the relationships that are represented in this room, whether friendships or, or neighbors or co-workers, may there be a proliferation of your grace that would spread. And may you bring healing to that which has been an open wound. Lord, may when we remember the trauma of the brokenness of a relationship, may we immediately move to worship for your grace and helping heal it. And Lord, even if that person doesn't come back our way or is willing to deal with the speck of dust maybe in their own eye, Lord, may we just be content with releasing it to you. Holy Spirit, you have the ministry in their life. For we are not built to carry around the burdens that we carry around related to unresolved sin of others. And Lord, may we find ourselves in the sweet, intimate joy of our relationship with you. And may we move forward from there day by day to bring about your healing and your forgiveness in other people's lives as we are able through the power of your spirit so lord as we maybe bring a name to mind right now help us make the right decisions in that that we would truly reassemble that brokenness into something beautiful by the power of your grace amen amen i want to encourage you this morning that If you want to pray with someone, there's a prayer area down here. You can meet with someone to pray. Maybe you want more of an understanding of how you can have a relationship from God and receive His forgiveness and grace. Take the initiative to talk to someone there. Talk to someone maybe that brought you. Um, I'm going to invite the ushers to come to receive the Lord's tithes and offerings. And uh, on your Connect card that Pastor Zach had you fill out, uh, on the back side, there's a place to mark certain things. And... uh, one of those is I'm interested in growing spiritually. I've been doing a little bit more recruiting for the Ruta Group that's starting up at our home here in two weeks. Some of you might have received an email about it. If you're interested in growing spiritually, that's probably front and center. Jump into a Ruta Group. Come talk to me personally or my wife, Melissa. But mark that. There's another place in there that has to do with uh, just being involved in a life group, community. Another place, maybe you're making a spiritual decision today. But the open lines are for prayer requests. And reasons to praise God and in these weeks if there is a prayer request that you might have for someone that you're in brokenness with just put the name there that'll be good enough for us as staff and the prayer team to be able to pray for you in that relationship maybe it's something that in these weeks You've seen God work. Maybe it's a work in your own life of healing. Maybe it's, it's a restoration even of a relationship, but, or you took initiative, and it's a praise. Just list the praise. Uh, not that we're going to post them anywhere, but it's this idea that you are declaring forth worship to God because he's working in the midst of your relationships. Will you stand with me? And now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we can ask or imagine, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, both now and forevermore. Go in the peace and the love that the Lord has demonstrated towards you. Freely you've received, freely give. God bless. See you next time.